Oh, see how great. 
Oh, <laughs> 
As we begin this first day of February with fasting, in this year of 2023, as a corporate body, we would have fasted 84 days together. And we actually started in December, so that's actually 91 days. Somehow that may be connected to Psalm 91. But the church is awakened to worship. The church is awakened to prayer. And we are awakening to fasting. Fasting brings the power of God and brings a breakthrough like nothing else does. When Jesus was asked about fasting, this was part of his answer that he gave in Matthew chapter 9. And he said, And who would pour fresh new wine into an old wineskin? Eventually the wine will ferment and make the wineskin burst, losing everything. The wine is spilled and the wineskin ruined. Instead, new wine is always poured into a new wineskin so that both are preserved. What are you saying there? With the power of fasting is 
We remove the old wineskin of our heart, and a new wineskin is formed so that he can pour in his new wine. So he can pour in the, the wine of awakening, the wine of his power, the wine of his presence, the wine of his glory. So we just submit to him during this season of fasting, and we ask him to change our heart, to circumcise our heart, to give us a new heart, a new wineskin, so that he can pour his glory into it. Amen, amen. Let's go back into how great is our God. Come on, let's sing it, church. Come on. Don't see how great how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Don't see how great, how great. On the way in this evening, I heard the numbers 377. And so I'm going to reference in this passage of Scripture, Job 37, verse 7, beginning at verse 2. Hear attentively the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He sends it forth under the whole heaven, his lightning to the ends of the earth. After it, a voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain them when his voice is heard. God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things which we cannot comprehend. For he says to the snow, fall to the earth. Likewise to the gentle rain and to the heavy rain of his strength. Verse 7, he seals the hand of every man that all men may know his work. For the Lord says, in this new season, I am thundering from heaven. The Lord says, my word that goes forth out of my mouth 
shall not be a whisper, but it shall be the roar of thunder. The Lord says, my word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which it pleases, and that which I have spoken shall come to pass. The Lord says, I will not be mocked, for the Lord says, as wicked men have sown words of darkness, doubt, and iniquity, they shall be repaid. But the Lord says, if you will take my word that I am thundering even in this hour and put it in your mouth, the Lord says, I will move heaven and earth and I will cause even the earth to tremble at the word of man, for it shall not be their word, but it shall be my word. And the Lord says, as you speak, things will move, not only in the ground, but over your city, says the Lord. For the Lord says, my words shall shake and quake the establishment of unrighteousness, and my words will hold true, not only in my temple, but they shall hold true amidst the people. For the Lord says, I will shatter and I will cause the gates of the city to tremble at my word. And that which has been locked up shall be open. For the Lord says, I'm releasing keys out of heaven to unlock this city, unlock this state for my glory. Will you take my word upon your lips? For it shall not only serve as a plumb line in the hearts of men, but it shall go forth with power to shake the foundations of iniquitous men. I shall establish my word in this day, in this hour, and it shall be as it were a seal upon your hand, for my hand shall become your hand. And as you extend your hand, I will cause even as it were the gates to tremble, I will cause the earthquake in the land, and I will cause the naysayers and the mockers to bow the knee, for my word shall hold true, and your hand shall not only heal the sick and raise the dead, but your hand shall decree, and it shall go forth the move of my spirit, which shall shake the governments, it will move the marketplace, and it shall cause, as it were, the gates of hell to tremble in your midst, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's keep moving, keep moving. I just want to give this couple a word tonight. Just lift your hands to the Lord. For the Lord says the season of blindness is over. The Lord says I'm removing the veil I'm removing the blindfold. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you 360 vision. The Lord says, there shall not be a stumbling, there shall not be a hesitation. 
But the Lord says, because you've heard my whisper and obeyed the whisper, the Lord says, I will shout from above. And the Lord says, I will break the walls of resistance that have held you back and held you down. The Lord says, I'm pulling a string and I'm going to cause all the iniquitous structures that have set themselves against you to come down and fall down. For the Lord says, I'm removing the veil. I'm uncovering your eyes. And the Lord says, I'm removing the gag order that's been set over your mouth. For the Lord says, as you take my words upon your lips, the Lord says, I shall speak and it shall hold fast. It shall not stumble and you shall not stumble nor fall. For the Lord says, I am removing the accusations of the enemy and the lies that have been spoken that have caused a confusion in your heart and in your life. The Lord says, I'm issuing a judgment, even as you've obeyed me. The Lord says, I'm rebuking and removing the spirit of heaviness, and I'm removing the shroud off of your life. The Lord says, you've prayed and you felt as if there's been a brass ceiling, a brass heavens, but the Lord says, I'm opening a portal over you. And the Lord says, obedience has opened a door that no man can shut. For the Lord says, I'm giving you favor in this time and this season. And the Lord says, because you've been willing to lose it all because of the voice, because of the voice, because of the voice, the Lord says, I will reward your obedience with abundance in the season. For milk and honey you shall have. For the Lord says, you have left, as it were, the wilderness of silence. And the Lord says, I'm bringing you into the promise of my voice. The Lord says, I'm putting a sword in your hand to execute vengeance on the enemies of my glory. For truly, the golden glory shall rise over your family and your heritage. And I will cause the lies that have been sown in your generations to fall. For the Lord says, be because you have esteemed truth and you have hungered for truth in your inward parts, truths you shall have not only in your heart, but in your heritage and in your legacy. For I will debunk the lies and I will drop a plumb line, even as it were, in your household, and I will cause the spirit of truth to prevail. For I am executing a judgment against the spirit of error that has entered into your family for I have heard your tears, I've seen your tears, and I've heard your cries in the night season. The Lord says, I'm bringing, as it were, a crystal clear voice, not that of an angel, but of my spirit that lives within you. For the Lord says, I'm popping a cork in your hearts, and the Lord said, it's time to celebrate, for it is time for the new wine. The Lord said, the old days and the old ways are over, and the old wine has been finished up. For the Lord says, I'm bringing my new wine, my new way, and my new works. So arise and rejoice. For the Lord said, joy shall be your lot, and confusion shall be afar off. For truly you shall hear the voice of my Spirit, who will pay by way of grace and glory for you in this next season, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Oh, 
Come on, let's sing, Jared. Come on. Oh, Give him glory, give him praise. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, say with me. Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, you who have no money, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear, come to me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Hallelujah. Keep singing. I don't know about you, but there's glory. There's new wine in the house. There's glory in the house. There's new wine. Pour it out. 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 Hallelujah. 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 of mourning have come to an end, for I am breaking off the spirit of heaviness off of my people, and I am bringing you to the trading floor. The Lord says, will you exchange your mourning for my gladness? Will you exchange your, your tears for my joy? For the oil of gladness is here in abundance, says the Lord, as and you shall receive your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Oh, receive the oil of gladness. Receive the oil of joy. Pour it out, God. Pour it out. Oil of joy. Oil of gladness. Pour it out. 
Kurakasia Kalamareta Galabandea. Hallelujah. For the Lord says, because you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, because you have treasured the fear of the Lord, the Lord says, I am anointing you with the oil of gladness, the oil of joy, more than your companions, more than your neighbors, more than the naysayers, more than those that have mocked me. For the Lord says, I'm pouring out the spirit of the fear spirit of might and strength that will cause you to arise with great joy for joy is your lot gladness is your lot tears I shall wipe away in this new season so arise and shine let my glory rise upon you for the oil of joy and gladness will fuel your altar of your spirit and I will cause the oil to fuel the and the light of my glory upon you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Give him glory. Give him praise. Give him honor. is not boring. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give you glory. Give you praise. Oh, that's good. have a new song every service. Amen. New song, new song, and the one new sound. A new song, and the one new sound. Amen. A new song, and the one new sound. Hallelujah. What do we got here? The 444. 
Here we go. We got a visual here. A 444. Woo! God is good. All the time. All the time. Amen. How many of you are feeling better? Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for this woman with the white, white hat on. Yeah, can you come on up here? Yeah, come on up. Yeah, what's your name? Joy. That's right. Imagine that. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord says that the enemy has tried to mock the name that I gave you. The Lord says, I named you Joy. And the Lord says, Joy is your gift. But the enemy has come. He has tried to steal, kill, and destroy your joy. But the Lord says, because you've hung in there and you've been resilient, the Lord says, I will give you a reason to joy in this new hour. The Lord says, don't grieve over the losses of the past and the disappointments in your family. For the Lord says, I will cause a joy unspeakable and full of glory to arise upon you. The Lord says, I've drawn a line in the sand and I've told the devil no more. And the Lord said, the enemy has come like a wolf and he says, I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow your house down. But the Lord says, because your house has been established in me, the Lord says the enemy has no inroads because you have dedicated and consecrated your house to be a house of prayer. And the Lord says, because you've made your house a house of prayer, it shall be a house of my presence, a house of my power, a house of my peace, and a house of my joy, says the Lord. Because you have sought first my kingdom and my righteousness, righteousness, joy, and peace shall be your lot. And the Lord says, I will not stop there, for I will reverse the curse of witchcraft off of your family. The Lord says, I'm issuing a judgment out of my courts even now, for I have heard your prayers and I've seen your tears. And the Lord says, I'm issuing a judgment against witchcraft in your genealogy, in your generations. And I am releasing the shackles off of your family, your children that have bound them in iniquity and divination. The Lord says, I will remove the blinders from their eyes and I will cause, as it were, my promise, your treasure chest to be open. For the Lord says, because you have treasured me, I have reserved the treasures of heaven for you and your family. The Lord says, as you have prevailed in prayer, the Lord says, I am removing blindfolds and I am causing handcuffs to be taken away 
for keys are being released to you, my daughter, that you may use them to release these bonds of wickedness off of your family. The Lord says, use your voice, thunder against that which the enemy has set against you, for you have the judgment in your hand and the, my judgment in your heart, for justice you shall have, righteousness shall be your legacy, and joy shall be, as it were, your praise, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, praise God. I guess I better preach. <laughs> we having fun tonight? I still got time. Amen. All right. Well, let's get in the word tonight. Worship team, awesome, awesome job. I have never preached on this subject. I've been preaching since 1989. And I have not exclusively preached on the doctrine of laying on of hands. And I think it's a really good topic. You know, every time I, I go to preach something, I learn something new. You know, because you do the research and you find out what it is. But if you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. And as you're turning there, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the next few moments that you would anoint my tongue, that it would be, as it were, the pen of a ready writer to speak a word in season that would bring revelation regarding the doctrine of laying on of hands. We give you the praise and glory for it now in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said... Amen and amen. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, literally means maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands. Say with me, laying on of hands. Of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So we see in this passage there are six doctrines of Christ that are outlined. And the fourth one being the laying on of hands. So the first question I have for you tonight is, is there an Old Testament precedent for the practice of laying on of hands. Anybody have an answer for me? Is there a precedent for laying on of hands in the Old Testament? Anybody? The answer, of course, is yes. Amen. <laughs> I wouldn't have asked the question. <laughs> Amen. So there are three distinct uh, reasons for laying on of hands that are brought forth in the Old Testament. Number one is to impart a generational blessing. In Genesis chapter 48, we know that Jacob was on his deathbed, and he went to bless his grandchildren, Joseph's sons, one being by the name of Manasseh, who was the oldest, and Ephraim, who was the younger. And so when he went to lay hands on them, they had positioned uh, Manasseh 
that, so his right hand would be on Manasseh, and Ephraim, the younger, uh, with the left hand. Why? Because the right hand always represented more anointing, more power, more authority in the right hand. So they, where he was going to give the blessing, Joseph positioned him to put the blessing on the older son. But it says in this passage, in Genesis 48, 14, it says, Then Jacob, Israel, Jacob, stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So what we see in this passage is that Jacob understood by the Spirit of the Lord that Ephraim would carry a greater responsibility. How many know that responsibility in God dictates anointing from God? So you're going to get, if you're obedient to God, you're going to get all the anointing and all the gifting you need to complete your task. So there's no room for jealousy in the kingdom. If you're anointed and called to do a specific task, then God will give you the grace and the gifting to do it. Amen? And so, how many know that God doesn't play favorites? But there is a calling that's written in heaven before time began, and you will be measured against your calling. So, when we get to heaven, I'm not going to be judged based on the preacher down the street's uh, calling. I'm going to be judged against my own. And how many know that to whom much is given, much is required? So the more you uh, are supposed to do, God's going to grace you to do it, but also your responsibility to fulfill that calling is greater as well. Amen? So I don't want to run someone else's race. I don't want to run in someone else's lane. I want to run in the race that God's called me to do. Amen? Where we get in trouble in the body of Christ is we're always comparing ourselves with other people. It's like, well, you haven't been graced to do what this person has done. And you can take no pride in what you're doing if you feel like you're doing more because God's graced you to do it. And you will be judged according to the calling that you have on your life, not on another person. Does that make sense? So, so when there was a crossing of the hands, he realized that this one's called to do more even though he's younger, so I'm going to cross my hands and release the, the blessing to both of them. But this one is going to require more gifting because he has more responsibilities. Does that make sense? All right. All right. Number two, reasons for laying on of hands in the Old Testament. Number two, to spiritually authorize and commission. Now, how many of you realize that Moses had a protege by the name of Joshua? And there came a time when Joshua needed to take more of the load. And so he needed to be anointed. So in Numbers chapter 27, verse 18, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man, now listen to this, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Now, this is something interesting. We talked to Beverly about this this weekend. And how many of you know that we've, we've always preached this? This is still a little bit of a mystery to me, that the Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament but didn't live inside them. We have the Holy Spirit inside. But yet this passage says that a man in whom is the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. So that's a mystery. I sh we still got to research. Amen? In whom is the Spirit... And he said, and lay your hand on him. Set him before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation and inaugurate. Say with me, inaugurate. The word inaugurate simply means to commission. That's all it means. 
and commission him in their sight. Verse 20. And you shall give some of your authority, say with me authority, to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. All right, so we see in this passage that the laying on of hands of Joshua before the people was a commissioning in which he had granted some of his authority so that he would become, a, in essence, a ruler um, in Israel so that the people would obey them. How many of you realize that when you bring some, uh, somebody up for uh, you know, an appointment or to authorize them, that you're acknowledging that God's gifted them and you're granting them authority, not just for their sake, but for the people's sake. So they understand that this person has a measure of authority that they need to submit to. Does that make sense? All right. All right. It's number three. Laying on the hands in the Old Testament. So number one, to impart a generational blessing. Number two, to spiritually authorize and commission. Number three, to impart the spirit of wisdom. I thought this was very interesting. Um, so the laying on of Moses' hands on Joshua not only, listen now, not only commissioned and authorized him as a leader before Israel, but also imparted to him the spirit of wisdom. If you look in Deuteronomy, it's on your screen, 34 verse 9, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Now, if you look at scripture, we realize the spirit of wisdom is one of the seven spirits of God, right? The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, counsel, might, understanding, knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. So when he laid his hands on him during the commissioning, it says that the spirit of wisdom, he became full with the spirit of wisdom. That's interesting. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So it was through an impartation of laying on hands. This is Old Testament now, that the spirit of wisdom went into Joshua and why did he need wisdom? You need wisdom to lead. That was what uh, Solomon asked for. I need an understanding heart. I need wisdom to lead these people. The Bible says that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all you're getting, get understanding. And it's interesting that that's something that we should always be asking for. Even it talks about it in James chapter 1. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. He doesn't hold it back, but you got to ask in faith. That's the key. you got to ask in faith because if wisdom's a principal thing, we should be pursuing wisdom more than really anything else, right? We need the wisdom of God. And so that's what Joshua received when he laid hands on him was actually the spirit of wisdom. So we see in the Old Testament three primary ways are reasons for laying on of hands to impart a generational blessing, to spiritually authorize and commission, and number three, to impart the spirit of wisdom. All right, so now we're going to take a look in the New Testament and look at the doctrine of laying on of hands. And so the first thing that obviously comes to mind is, number one, in the New Testament, we lay hands on to administer healing. Jesus set a precedent for us uh, in that, in Luke chapter 40. Luke chapter 40, no, chapter 4. If you could turn the slide, thank you. Luke chapter 4, verse 40. It says, when the sun was setting, all those 
who had any that were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. So Jesus practiced that, uh, gifts of healings. Notice it says he laid hands on everyone and healed them. That means everybody got healed when he laid hands on them. I wish, I wish we had more success like that. Amen? <laughs> How many know that Jesus had the spirit without measure? And we have it in measure, but how many know you can get more? You can get more. We need to ask more. You're still out there. All right. All right. In another place, uh, Jesus laid hands on a woman who uh, had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was all bent over. All bent over. Luke chapter 13, verse 12. But when Jesus saw her, he called to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Notice he proclaimed liberty. You know, in, in um, Isaiah it says that, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel. But one of the things he said, he anointed him to proclaim liberty to the captive. Amen? And a lot of times, because I was looking at the scripture, and he didn't lay hands on, on this woman to get the demon out. No, he spoke it. He proclaimed liberty to the captive. Amen? Then he laid hands on her. Okay? So once the demon was out, she still has, she's sick, but the demon's gone. Praise God for that. Proclaim liberty. Amen? Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So this is something we need to learn. Uh, just because you get the demon out don't mean the person's going to get healed. It's a two-part process, all right? So you got to get the demon out, then you got to pray for healing. Does it make sense? Yeah, so you, you still got to get the demon out because the person ain't going to get healed as long as that demon's there. Now, not everybody who's sick has a spirit of infirmity, but there are cases, obviously, when, when that's the case. All right. So part of Jesus' commission inc included the laying on of hands of believers to impart healing to the sick. If you look in Mark chapter 16, this is part of the Great Commission, verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. Those who what? Believe. Those who what? Believe. It doesn't say those who are apostles. It doesn't say those who are prophets. It doesn't say those who are teachers. Those who believe. That is the only requirement that he levied on the church. You don't have to be some special somebody. You just need to believe. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. Notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say to follow the signs it says, signs shall follow you. So we have a habit in the body of Christ to follow signs when signs should be following us. Kind of got to switch around. All right? It doesn't mean signs won't show up. Gold dust, gems, whatever. But we're not to follow signs. Signs are to follow us. We need to make that distinction. Amen? And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name... They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Listen now. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. 
Okay? It didn't even say anything about praying here. It just said he lay hands on the sick and they were recovered. Now, I'm going to tell a little story. I wouldn't plan on telling this. Oh, it's a good story. It's a good story. It's about, it's about my dad, actually. Now, um, I got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1986. I grew up Catholic. And when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues, I thought I joined a cult. Amen? And she went and told the priest. And he said, you better be careful. <laughs> To make a long story short, my Catholic family all got spirit-filled. But for a season, they were charismatic Catholics. And anyway, my dad went to one of these meetings, and um, there was somebody else from, it wasn't a Catholic guy running this meeting, but a bunch of Catholics in there, and they loved to pray in tongues a lot. They really do. I know, I used to be Catholic. And um, so anyway, they get in this meeting, and um, the guy was activating everybody in the word of knowledge. And he says, does anybody out here have a pain in their body that wasn't there a few minutes ago? And my dad raises his hand, and he says, yeah, I got a pain in my heart. And the guy goes, that's the word of knowledge. So he calls my dad up to the front, and he says, is there anybody here that has um, pain in their heart? Or, you know, some heart issue. Sure enough, somebody comes up, some woman comes up and stands before my dad, and the guy goes, now lay hands on her. And this is my dad's testimony. He says, I laid hands on this woman, and she crumbled. (laughs) 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 Didn't pray a prayer. He just laid hands on her. So he, he, he got a bright idea. He decided to go to work. And uh, one day, and uh, there was a guy there uh, at his work that had a bad knee. And my dad didn't say one word to him. He just went over to him in his desk. You, you had to know my dad. He was somebody else. He was really different. Anyway, he just went over to the guy, didn't say a word to him. He put his hands on his knee, and he walked away. <laughs> the guy comes back the next day and said, my knee is completely healed. Didn't pray a prayer. Didn't know what he's doing. He just did it. He laid hands on the sick and he recovered. Amen. That's all we. That's all we have to do, is just do what he says. Lay hands on the sick and shall recover. I mean, I do it all the time. I'm looking for sick people. Are you sick? Can I pray for you? That's my type of evangelism. I just like to see people healed. Amen. And then you open it over. Somebody gets healed. You got an audience. All of a sudden, you got an audience, right? So I just thought I'd give you a little, little testimony that I um, hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> All right. So, so the apostles began to obey the Lord. He gave them the great commission. And so uh, Paul did exactly what the Lord told him to do about laying hands on. So this is actually toward the, the back end of Acts, in the, Acts 28, verse 8. And it says, And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. Amen? So we go on to look um, at another instance of laying on of hands by a man by the name of Ananias. 
Amen. And Ananias, he was an apostle. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a teacher. It just describes him as a certain disciple. He was just an everyday Joe, Ananias. And um, everybody was afraid of Saul. And uh, this is, uh, the Lord told him, I want you to go to Saul and lay your hands on him. And because he was blinded, remember he got blinded by the light? It sounds like a song from the 70s, right? <laughs> blinded by the light. Remember that song? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Showing my age. <laughs> All right. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me. He sent him for two reasons. Number one, that you may receive your sight. So you pray for him, receive his sight, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a twofold reason. He needed to restore his sight and get him filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, there are certain people in uh, denominational, uh, Pentecostal denominations that feel like that laying out of hands is only for apostles, you know, or prophets or fivefold ministers. But here is an example of just an everyday person laying hands on Paul, who would be an apostle, to not only receive his sight, but number two that we're going to go into now, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so, so number one, we lay hands on to administer healing. Number two, to administer the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right. So let me give you a couple instances of that. In Acts chapter 8, verse 17, uh, there were some people, I forget which city it was, but Peter and John was sent to them, it says, uh, to, to, so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verse 17. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, Simon the sorcerer was in the mix there. And Simon used to be the great power of God. He was, he was uh, a magician. But Simon the magician got saved. But he still had something in him. He was jealous of these guys because they took the show. You know, uh, he, He's no longer the big, the big wig in town anymore. And so he was jealous of these guys. And it says, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. All right. So he thought you could buy the gift of God with money. He said, well, you're abound with iniquity and you're of a bitter heart. And he told him to repent. And he did. All right. Another instance, Acts chapter 19, verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. And so uh, that's something I practice all the time. When, when we pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit, I just follow the biblical model. Now, there are other instances where they didn't lay hands on, but... Actually, three out of the five instances where they prayed for people to receive the Holy Spirit, they laid hands on them. So that's something what we do um, to receive the Holy Spirit. Because there is an impartation when you lay hands on people. 
Amen? And that's something we do regularly. And there's, again, there's a book, Got Tongues, back there. And I actually had to lead someone in the Holy Spirit. But I make it very simple when I pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. After I share the scriptures with them, or now we're giving them the booklet, right? We're giving them the Got Tongues booklet. And they have a context. How many know faith comes by hearing? And hearing by the word of God. That's why I make it a practice not to pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit unless they've been taught. At least I spend 15, 20 minutes sharing scripture with them. Sometimes it's just even 10 or 15 minutes. Faith comes by hearing. Once they know what they're receiving, you pray for them, and almost every time they receive it. Amen? But when you don't share the scripture, they don't know what they're getting, and then most of the time it doesn't work. At least for me, that's the case. So anyway, even when I have them receive the Holy Spirit, I have them pray a prayer like they they like they prayed when they received Jesus. Now they're receiving the Holy Spirit. It's a real simple prayer. And a lot of times it shocks them into praying in tongues immediately when we pray. So I just lay hands on them, and I just say, repeat this prayer after me, and you're going to pray in tongues. So I just say, I say, say, say this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I receive the Holy Spirit, and I will speak in tongues now. And what I do now, they automatically just, they, it jolts them, and then they start praying in tongues immediately. It look like works every time. <laughs> Yo, I'm glad you like joining us. Huh? You like that? Yeah. <laughs> Who said you can't have fun, right? In the house. All right, let's go on to number three. I'm not going to tell you how many of these are, how many there are. <laughs> number three. Lay hands on the New Testament number to raise the dead and work miracles. All right. So how many know that healing and working of miracles are two different things? Or he wouldn't have two separate gifts. It says gifts of healings, not gift of healing, gifts of healings, right? Because not everybody has all the gifts of healings. And you'll never find out what your gifts of healings are until you pray for people. And you'll find out that when you pray for people, oh, well, you know, joints, shoulders, elbows get healed when I pray for this person. Some people, when they pray for people, their people's eyes get open. Some people, when they pray, uh, hernias disappear or broken bones get fixed. Well, you'll never know unless you pray for people what your gifts of healings are, right? All right? So he says, gifts of healings, working of miracles. These are two separate gifts. All right? So... When you lay hands on, there is, the, there is the gifts of healings that are operating, but how many know that the working of miracles happens through laying on of hands too, only in a different way? And we're going to show, I've never seen this before, but I saw it when I studied this out. All right, so in Matthew chapter 9, uh, there was a ruler that came to Jesus. In verse 18, he said, Behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, my daughter has just died. Say with me, died. Okay, she's dead. She don't need healing. She needs a miracle. Amen? My daughter has just died. But come and what? Lay your hand on her, and she will live. All right, so we're going to skip a few verses to go to verse 25. And Jesus went in and took her by the hand. Say with me took her by the hand, and the girl arose. Now, there's something with that language, took her by the hand, we're going to see in another place, that has to do with working of miracles, okay? 
So do you realize when you take somebody by the hand, you're laying hands on them? All right, so something happened there, and we're going to look at another passage of Scripture, only it was Peter this time, that took somebody by the hand, and a miracle happened. In this case, uh, Jesus healed a, a, a girl, took her by the hand, and the miracle took place. Amen? And she arose. The second one is in the book of Acts, chapter 3, at the gate beautiful, where there was a crippled man who was crippled from birth. He was born that way. He never walked. Now, this guy doesn't need healing because healing is restoring something that used to work. All right? His legs never worked. He was born a cripple, so he didn't need healing. He needed what? He needed a miracle. Right? He needed a miracle. All right. So he looked up at Peter and John expecting something. I think he was expecting some money. So what did Peter say? He goes, hey, silver and gold have I none. I got, I got nothing. I got no gold. I got no silver. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, he gave the command, but watch what he did next. Watch what he did next. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Okay, so he not only spoke the word of faith, he put action or works behind it. How many know that to work, the workings of miracles requires work? A lot of times you just can't speak it. He took him by the hand and lifted him up. Only then... Did it say immediately strength, his bones were strengthened and he was healed? So it takes action. How many of the Bible says faith without works is what? Dead. All right. So you can have the spirit of faith and speak the word, but for working of miracles, laying on of hands meant take him by the hand and lift him up. So there's usually action that goes with the working of miracles. Does that make sense? That's what makes it different than um, Gifts of healings. All right. I've never seen that before. All right. Number four. Also to impart spiritual gifts. Now, a lot of people, surprisingly, some very well-known preachers, I was surprised, don't believe in the impartation of spiritual gifts. But it's clearly in Scripture. You look in the Old Testament, just like we said, Moses laid hands on uh, Joshua, and it said that he was full of the spirit of wisdom. If that's not an impartation, I don't know what is. Okay. So in the New Testament, we find that the impartation of spiritual gifts is essential to establishing uh, the ministry of believers, and it is accomplished through the laying out of hands. Okay. So Romans chapter 1, verse 11. Paul says in his letter, he says, For I long to see you, that I may impart, say with me, impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. What is he saying here? Without the impartation of gifts, you're not going to be established in your ministry. Just like a police officer, you may give him a badge, but if you send him out without a pistol, he's not going to be 
an enforcer of the law, is he? He's going to be a talking head. But it's the gun that causes him to be the enforcer, right? Same with you. Without an impartation of gifts, your ministry will not be established. How many you know, huh, how many ministers do we have in here? Come on, every hand should be going up. Every one of you is a minister. So every one of you, if you, this is not rocket science. If you're a minister, you have a ministry. Amen? <laughs> oh, I'm going into the ministry. Well, everybody should be. If you're born again, you should be in the ministry. Right? <laughs> not rocket science. If you're a minister, you're in the ministry. And people, oh, I just retired my job. I'm going into the ministry. Well, what you been doing for the last 60 years? You've been a minister since you got born again. Wake up. Right? <laughs> that you may be established. All right. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, this is a very important scripture. Paul's given an exhortation to Timothy. What does he say? Do not neglect the gift. He's talking about spiritual gifts in here. He's talking about the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. He's talking about the gift of faith. He's talking about, he's talking about gifts of healings and working of miracles, all the nine gifts. He's saying when we lay hands on people, now we don't know exactly what gift you're going to get, but whatever the Holy Ghost wants you to get, you'll get. Amen? But I got news, you got to do something with it. You heard it, use it or lose it? Well, that's true with gifts. That's one reason why, you know, it says, it, it says in Scripture, it says, earnestly covet spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. That's why I prophesy all the time, to keep the gift flowing. Use it or lose it. Keep the gift flowing by using the gift. Make a demand on the gift. Earnestly covet spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Earnestly means that you ask for them daily. I daily ask for gifts, and I ask for gifts that I'm not currently working, operating in like miracles. I ask for miracles every day. Working of miracles. You have not because you ask not. I have people all the time. It's like, um, we ask them, do you want to be using spiritual gifts? And they say, well, I'm open to it. Well, you'll never be used. If you're open to it, you'll never be used. He says, earnestly covet spiritual gifts. That means ask for it. Take it. Step out in it. What if you make a mistake? Well, what if you don't? Right? Be willing to take a, take a chance. Amen? Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy and with the laying on of hands. Of the eldership. Okay. So it's the laying out of hands, and a lot of times prophecy releases the anointing and so with in, in conjunction with laying out of hands. Why do you need prophecy? It's a real simple answer. Why do you need prophecy when you lay hands to impart gifts? So they know what they're getting. <laughs> right? Why do I need prophecy? So I know what I'm getting. 
All right? Going to lay hands on you. Well, I got something. I don't know what it is, but I can feel the anointing. I fell out. I was out under the power for 30 minutes, but I don't know what I got. Got something. That's why it's a laying out of hands and prophecy. So you prophesy. What do you got? Amen. Does that make sense? This stuff's not rocket science. You know? Second Timothy, the simplicity of Christ. It's all in Scripture, right? Second Timothy 1.6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Why did he have to say that? Because Timothy wasn't listening. He imparted him some gifts in 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy comes back and is like, well, you're not using them. Let me remind you, young man. Remember when I laid hands on you and the gift of God went in you? Well, you better stir that up because if you don't stir it up, it's going to be dormant and it's not, it's not going to work. Amen? That's why we got to practice these things. Amen? You can get to a point in your gift where it's there on demand. Prophecy. I remember one time I woke up, you know, some people wake up speaking in tongues. I woke up prophesying. I was prophesying in my sleep. Because you use a gift, you draw on a well inside. It's just like speaking in English, speaking in tongues or prophesying. It, it, it just becomes part of your DNA. You can get that far into God. I want to get that way with miracles and healings. Then when you lay hands, you just know they're going to get healed. But we got to begin to believe that we're flowing in dimensions like that. I tell you what, you start watching some A.A. Allen videos, they'll start, I mean, everybody he prayed for got healed. Just about, I mean, all the videos I saw, just one after the other, you know. He believed, you know. Sometimes it takes one trigger to open up a whole new dimension, okay? And, but it takes faith, but sometimes it takes one miracle, and all of a sudden you're in a new dimension. You're operating in a whole new dimension. Does that make sense? So that's why you got to keep pressing after the gifts so you can get into that new dimension, because once you hit it, there's faith to move in that. Does that make sense? But some people never break through that door. You, you've got to, you know, even in the last six months, you know, we've had opportunity to break through some barriers that we haven't been able to operate in, and God's doing that because we're, we're pressing the limits. Does that make sense? But sometimes it just takes one thing, and all of a sudden you're, and that happened with A.E. Allen. I forget there was a story, I forget what this person got healed of. But once that person got that miracle, it blew open the doors for him, and then everybody started getting miracles. Does that make sense? That's where, that's where we need to operate, church. Amen? All right. Number five. To impart a blessing to children. Similar to when um, Jacob laid hands on Eliezer and Manasseh. It's a similar thing. If you look in Mark chapter 10, verse 15... Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Okay, so there's a spiritual blessing there. And that's one reason why, based on this scripture, that we have what we call baby dedication, but it's actually parents' dedication. 
they don't really, people don't understand that. So they think that, oh, they're going to bring their baby out and the preacher's going to lay hands on the baby and all of a sudden, I mean, we're going to bless the baby, but it's actually um, a commitment by the parents to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So it's a commissioning of the parents. You're going to raise your kid up in God. Come up to the front and, do, and show to everybody you're going to, that's why you come up here, right? You don't tell them that till later. <laughs> Because how many know, I'm kind of going down, I'm, 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 I only got so much more, so don't worry. <laughs> how many know that baby baptism, I was baptized as a baby, how many know it don't count? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> because there's only in scripture believers baptism, right? Those who believe, number one, believe and are baptized. Right? I'm not going to go down that path anyway. We're, all right. We're coming in for a close. Number six, to commission ministers, similar to Moses praying for Joshua, right? Let's go to Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now, in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Who were there? Prophets and teachers. Who was there? Come on, answer. Prophets and teachers. Who are they? Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manian, and Saul. So there were five of them there, prophets and teachers. Notice that, that at that time, Saul was not considered an apostle. He was either a prophet or a teacher. Because these are two offices. Prophets didn't say anything about apostles. It said that and Barnabas was with them too. It didn't say he was an apostle either. All right. Verse 2, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Say with me, fasted. The Holy Spirit says, now separate. Say with me, separate. To me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. All right. So he said, separate. That means gather these two, separate them from the bunch, bring these two forward, Barnabas and Saul. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Now, how many of you know that when they laid hands on them, something happened? There was an impartation and a commissioning, but how many know they went forth as apostles? They were no longer prophets. Or teachers doesn't say which one they were but there was a commissioning that actually brought them into a new office does that make sense all right so there are three distinct stages in commissioning ministers number one is calling and separation say with me calling and separation so in verse 2 we see that the divine calling upon ministers is predetermined before time began. How many know the Bible says that in your book they all were written, the days you had fashioned for me, when yet there was none of them? And we know that in Timothy it says that he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. When, church? Before time began. All right, so you were called before time began to be in this particular office. However, the sanctification or the separation 
of ministers to the work of God has called them to is realized by ministering to the Lord through fasting and prayer. That's why fasting and prayer is very important when we commission people. All right. So there is the calling and separation. Number two, appointing and ordaining. Say with me, appointing and ordaining. So after hearing from the Holy Spirit to separate Barnabas and Saul for their apostolic work, the eldership fasted and prayed, laid hands on them to appoint and ordain them for the work. Part three of that is commissioning and sending. Say with me, commissioning and sending. We see that in verse three and four. The eldership then commissioned Barnabas and Saul, sending them away. What is an apostle? A sent one, right? Sent them away, having been sent out by the Holy Spirit. So they heard by the Holy Spirit, separate these guys. I'm going to send them out to be apostles. All right. Number seven. This is the last one. Reasons for laying out of hands in the New Testament. Number seven, to appoint deacons and elders, which is different when we're commissioning fivefold ministers. Acts chapter six, verse three. The apostles were running into a crisis because they were doing everything. And so they needed some help. And they said in uh, chapter 6, verse 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. Say with me, good reputation. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of wisdom. Whom we may appoint. Say with me, appoint. Over this business. But we will give ourselves, talking about the apostles, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man of full of faith and the Holy Ghost, Philip, and a bunch of other names I can't pronounce. Amen. But there are seven altogether, all right? Verse 6. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid hands on them. All right, so these seven men were serving as deacons. Say with me, deacons, which literally means servants. All right, so deacons, there were two deacons that stand out in this group. They're mentioned later. One is Stephen, and the other one is Philip. Later at Powerful Ministries, and as you can see there, Stephen was not well liked because he got stoned, as you can see in the picture above. All right. The Greek word, episkopos, is translated bishop, overseer, and elder in the New Testament. We use the word elder more often than we do bishop or overseer. But elders and deacons are two classes of administrative officers in the New Testament. Now, elders give direction, spiritual direction, and instruction in the church. Now, I want to make a distinction about elders in the church. Elders can be fivefold ministers, but not all elders are fivefold ministries. They, an elder can be a pastor, an apostle. He can be, have eldership and oversight in the church, but not every elder is a fivefold minister. Does that make sense? Is that clear? So you can be an elder and not be fivefold ministry, but you can be fivefold ministry and be eldership in the church because you're providing oversight. All right. So elders give spiritual direction and instruction. 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Notice he makes a distinction here. 
He said, elders who rule, especially those. That means not all labor in the word and doctrine. Who do? Fivefold ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. These are the ones that labor in word and doctrine. They were considered elders in the church. But not our, all elders are fivefold ministers. Does that make sense? All right, according to the scripture. Titus 1.5, appoint elders in every city as I have commanded you. Acts 14, verse 23. So when they have appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So there is appointment of elders in every church. But not every elder is a fivefold minister. All right. One last thing. Don't lay hands on anyone suddenly <laughs> or hastily. <laughs> 1 Timothy 5.22, do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Why does he say that? It's because there's instances where we need to listen to the Holy Ghost, and he said, don't lay hands on that person. The reason why is that if they're in sin or they're contaminated by demons, you don't want that impartation when you lay hands on them. You can be affected, amen? That's why it's important to know how to apply the blood of Jesus, Right? And it is important to know how to overcome any demonic influence. I remember one time Kay and I were, we were on the um, Native American reservation. And uh, we were casting demons of alcoholism out of this person. And while we were doing it, she was throwing up violently and all that. And, but Kay literally felt the demon grab her leg on the way out. And I had to get it off. <laughs> As you can feel, feel the thing, like not wanting to go down. <laughs> Amen. So laying on a hands has the potential of spiritual defilement or contamination. If somebody has unconfessed sin or involved in iniquitous relationship or witchcraft or these kinds of things. Amen. So that's why you need to hear the Holy Spirit. Most of the time it's fine. But sometimes you get around people and it's like, I don't think I want to lay hands on this person, you know. And, and vice versa, sometimes you don't want somebody laying hands on you, right? All right. Then the other thing, it's really about the ordination thing. There's a scripture in 1 Timothy 3. It says, if a man desires the position of a bishop, overseer or elder, he desires a good work, verse 2. A bishop must then be, verse 6, not a novice or a new convert, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. What is he saying here? Don't lay hands on and commission somebody prematurely. You may see potential in them, but one of the biggest mistakes Cad and I have made in ministry is appointing someone too quickly or appointing the wrong person because we had a need. That's happened more often than not. It's like, well, we need somebody. We need somebody to take this position. And what happens is when you appoint the wrong person, you've got hell to pay a lot of times. Amen? So what we've learned is wait. That's, that's one word for the ministers watching by YouTube. W-A-I-T, wait. <laughs> wait for the Holy Spirit to say, this is the time or this is the person. You can even have the right person, but if you do it at the wrong time, you do it prematurely, you can pay. You're going to pay for that. Amen? All right. I'm quitting. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done for the night. Amen. We had fun tonight? Good, 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 good. Awesome. All right, ministry team, we're going to put you to work. Come on. Ministry team, up to the front.
Everybody stand. You had a good time tonight? It's awesome. The Lord is awesome. Amen? All right. So if you need, need special prayer tonight, healing in your body, you need a prayer of agreement, maybe need a little bit of deliverance. <laughs> Come on up and, and, and receive prayer tonight from our ministry team. All right, just lift up your hands. How many have been blessed? All right. Enjoy your fast this week. Enjoy the Lord. Just don't go without food. Spend some time with the Lord. Amen? Spend some time with the Lord. Go read the prayer focus. Praise God. And then don't forget to come out Sunday morning. Amen? All right. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, just bless your people tonight, God. I thank you, Lord God, that they are anointed of God. They're vessels of honor fit for the master's use, anointed. And I just pray, God, Lord, that you would stir up the gift of God that is within them through the laying on of hands. I pray, God, for the blossoming of the gifts that are within them, God. And I pray for a spirit of might to be released even now that they would have the boldness, Father, Lord, to do what you've asked them to do in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said... Amen and amen. Come on up for prayer. God bless you. We will see you Sunday morning. Where, where did it all go?